The dictionary says conviction is a strong persuasion or belief, a state of being convinced. It is a settled decision, a fixed strong belief. It defines and impacts our actions, thoughts, and everything we are. Yet there is no conviction without a true north, your fixed point in a spinning world. This is derived from your most deeply held beliefs, values, and convictions you live by. In this episode of Keep It 100, we will discover how to get your true north back and to get back on your right path. And we will also hear from Brazilian mover and shaker, Tiafalo Hayashi. Welcome to Keep It 100 Podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Join us in this space where we take on real issues with real insight and a real inspiration. This podcast is for those not looking for temporary relief to change circumstance, but revelation to forever change lives. Welcome everyone to Keep It 100. We're so excited to have you join us for another episode where we're going to bring you authentic conversation on finding your true north. Woo woo! Come on. But you know, but before we dive into this awesome conversation, we want to talk about what we've been doing this last week because we've had some awesome ministry in what's really crazy. You know this, Sean, because we yes. did most of it together. Yep. Uh, we were in six different services in six days in four major cities. We were in the Los Angeles area, Detroit, Charlotte, Houston areas, and and we were actually on 18 different flight legs yes, combined we between the two of us, right? And when we were home, we were actually filming some services and it was really full on. And yet we saw some powerful displays of the power of God. Come on. What was one of your favorites? One of my favorites was your service in the Charlotte what? area that Sunday morning. Oh. It was so profound. We got so much wow. feedback, positive feedback, and people just hit the altar. I just love that you just brought mm. that true plumb line of God's truth and just challenged us and called us out. Well, one of my favorites, that's so funny because I was going to say your Sunday night service in Charlotte. I just loved that day. I did the Sunday morning services as you just really kindly pointed out. And I, you did the Sunday night and that whole day we just saw God move again and again. And then we had the privilege of being um, at Mercy Gate together uh, this last Wednesday in Houston. Phenomenal church, amazing people. And we just got to see people encounter God. There was a powerful flow of the prophetic. Oh my God. And then we came back and filmed a couple services that will go out. Yep. Uh, shout out to our amazing assistant, Natalia. Oh my, she's Philbin. amazing. And we filmed some before that went out to the entire Chi Alpha Nation, the university ministries in the entire West Coast. So we have been, man, just busy, but it's been very productive. It really has. We're really excited, Keep It 100, because today we're going to be talking to you about choices, particularly the choices that are the right choices, finding your due north. And it's funny that we would mention that because Cornell University, speaking of choices, has studied the number of choices we make about food each day. Oh my. They concluded that we make about 227 food choices every 24 hours. <laughs> okay. On Christmas, I made 227 horrible choices about food. <laughs> Some people have never recovered from their Christmas bed. Think about it. We only seriously have three major meals a day and we're making 220 seven oh my choices. word am i really i just wonder if that's real some are making more choices than others some are keeping <laughs> that curve higher some are keeping it <laughs> right. lower and that's the average that's good. in addition to that there's another couple of reports that we want to quote that say we make thirty-five thousand choices each day maybe some of us make less or more but at the end of the day what matters most is that god won those choices 
He needs to win in my life in the choices I make today. And that's what really we want to talk to you about. You know, it's so interesting talking about choices. You know, I was kind of thinking and I did some research on, you know, what actually makes our choices for us. You know, there's factors when we're making decisions. And Barna Research tells us that we actually base, like just human psychology, we base 25% of our decisions on our ethical behavior, on our feelings, and only 13% on the Bible as Christians. So think about that. As Christians, we're just saying, Hey, our ethical behavior, which is like your morals, you know, it's your integrity, it's your righteousness, it's, you know, choosing to honor God and really align your life with the word of God. And we're doing that only 13% of the time. You think about it, what that is saying is that we're making more choices off a broke compass than we are off the working line. Come on. Speaking of the compass, true north is defined as your non-negotiable. Your fixed point in a spinning world. Come on, anybody else dizzy from 2020? It (laughs) has been spinning, y'all. It's your fixed point in a spinning world that helps you stay on track. It is derived from your most deeply held beliefs. It's your internal compass that will always point due north. And to this point, the great Christian thinker Soren Kierkegaard put it this way. He said, either we will conform the truth to our desires or we will conform our desires to the truth. You can't have it both ways. That's so good. That's such a powerful statement. You cannot have it both ways. That's right. This ain't Burger King, y'all. You can't have it both (laughs) ways. It's the King of Kings, not the Burger King. Hey, keep your 100 tribe excited because we're now going to enter into our Hundo P segment where Krista and I love to throw questions at each other and just open up and share. All right, let's talk. Let's do it. All right. So I got a question for you then, because we're just talking about due north. We're talking about key decisions on making your life surrender to Jesus in every way. So the question I have for you is what are some of the ways that we've lost our way and what contributes to that? I believe one of it is that we have allowed voices to be authoritative in our life and in our decision making that have not qualified themselves as being authoritative. Like the advice of someone that is trending on Twitter shouldn't be held on the same level as your pastor. That's so As somebody good. speaking the word of God. Come on. And what happens is when your due north is off, it affects your moral compass. And so all of a sudden, we have the wrong due north because we're letting what this group feels, what's popular right now, what kind of falls in with kind of like a mixture gospel of today. And we don't realize that our conscience becomes off because it's not being calibrated according to the word of God. And an increasingly callous heart slowly loses its ability to detect the damage being done to it. So over a period of time, you lose your way. And and really to, to go along with that, you often hear this thing said, hey, bro, follow your heart. Follow your heart. I just want to speak truth. Follow your heart creed is not found in the Bible. The truth is no one outside of the devil, no one lies to us more than our hearts. There's even a verse in the Bible that says our hearts are deceptively wicked. Who can know it? Our hearts, your heart won't save you. We need to be saved from our hearts. Our hearts left to themselves are not good compasses. They don't tell us the truth. They tell us what we want. And that's the reason why I think we've lost our way. And those are a couple of thoughts I have that contribute to it. Now, how about you, Boo? What are some of the ways that you feel that we've lost our way? And what do you feel contributes to that? You know, I really feel like growing up, I was very much in a culture where the word of God was the final say. And what I feel like we've really lost our due north is because so many 
people now even identify as a Christian. You know, I found a statistic that out of our 328 million population in America, 205 million would identify as Christians, which makes 62% of Americans believe they're Christians. And and the reality is we know not 205 million people are living by the word of God. Therefore, I come to the conclusion, many people view the word of God as suggestion. And the word of God is not a suggestion. It Mm. is the infallible, perfect word of God. It's not up for negotiation. And you can't copy and paste your belief system. You can't Mm. copy and paste, say, hey, I believe this. I like this teaching of Jesus, but I don't like this teaching. It doesn't work that way. So you lose your due north when the word of God is not infallible to you. When it is not the final say, I believe we have to have that anchor point. We have to have that filter that we run our decisions through, that we run our behavior through, that we run our integrity through. We run, you know, just our daily life through that filter of the word of God. If you don't have that, if it's just merely a suggestion manual in your life, it's not the word of God. There isn't going to be that safeguard that the word of God has created to be for you. Because I think, you know, it's such a good question. How have we lost our way and what contributes to that? I think because we've been in such a crisis time, there's been so much trauma. And, you know, just on a psychology level, it shows you that crisis and trauma actually creates confusion just naturally. But I think the enemy's really piggybacked on that. And there has been a spiritual confusion in the midst of a natural confusion. And because we don't know which way is up, because we don't know what tomorrow is, which I'm going to, you know, use that cliche word right now, uncertainty, but uncertainty really has created a survival mentality in the church. And I guess my point in bringing that up is simply to say this, I feel like the church and even Christians have gotten into survival mode, which makes them just focus on themselves. It makes them very self-focused and not as God-focused. And that's a scary place to be because if you want to get off the charted path quick, then really start focusing on yourself and not God. I think survival puts us in a place where we are not connected to the true source because all we're focused on is how does this benefit me? And we're not thinking about God. That is so powerful. I love that. Well, let me throw another question. Okay. I was thinking about this phrase, everybody wants to make a difference in the world, but only a few people want to be different than the world. Ooh. What does that phrase mean to you, Krista? Man, gosh, that, that's so good. You know, it is hard to stand out these days. I mean, it really is because I think there's a compounding effect. You know, there's a thing that I learned and I'll just say it real quick. Uh, it's called norm matching. It's typically used with food and different things, uh, but it's it's talking about social behaviors that if you're with a group of people and one person does a behavior, everyone kind of subconsciously begins to do that behavior because we all have a deep desire to belong and there is a natural conformity in humanity. And we see that in today's world that being different is actually not applauded really anymore. But there is a major consensus. There's a peer pressure to look like the majority rather than maybe the minority. And so I believe that that's really important for us to understand that the people that may be the lesser group of people that might have the belief system for that area, it may not match the majority, but there's a compounding effect. And what I mean by that is this, in the area of norm matching, you're seeing people really jump on the bandwagon to attack you personally. And so it's not just like, hey, we disagree with you. 
It's you're uninformed, you're, you know, uneducated, you're this, you're that. And people will like assassinate your character. There's a crucifixion that happens now with people. It's not just like you're different than us. It's like they crucify you. And so you really have to have your identity and your value in God because looking different now, there's a persecution that goes with it. It's different than it was before. And yet I think all the more, it's so important that we stay in our due north. I love that. And you know, my thoughts on that is imagine if you take a hike and you go out into the wilderness, someplace you've never been before. You've hiked for half the day and you get to this point, but somehow you forgot the path you took to get to the place you're at. We would define that as being lost. But guess what? You have a compass in your pocket. You pull out the compass, but what you didn't check before the trip is that the compass hadn't been recalibrated to the magnetic true north. So imagine you're stuck out in the wilderness. You've traveled half the day. You don't know where you're at. There's no landmarks to get you back to where you need to be. Uh, You got limited supply of a little bit of water and you got one of them cliff bars and your compass is broke. Now imagine to compound all that difficulty with the fact that your compass always pointed to you. So no matter where you went, no matter where you turn, all your compass did was point back to you. I think that there are people that want to make a difference in the world, but they're just as lost as the world because the compass just keeps pointing back at themselves. Somewhere along the line, your compass has got to point to a God who is a true north, do north. He's do your worship. And I, I really feel like we understand that whole principle that we're called to be light, not light. We're called to be light, L-I-G-H-T, not necessarily L-I-K-E-D. Now, I also want to throw this in before we move on, that I really believe we've entered a time that we as Christians are called to embody the objective truth of the Lord, not subjective, objective truth of the Lord. And we must do more than simply find our moral compass. We must be willing to be the moral compass Mm. for the day that we live in. I love that. So good. Keep it 100 Tribe. We're super excited because we are going to bring to you a great friend of Krista and I, Teofilo Hayashi is an apostle in Brazil, heads up a movement that's mighty called Dunamis, a church plant of many churches that are called Zion. He literally sees soccer stadiums filled, which by the way, Krista prophesied that over him. He'll talk about that, Hmm. uh, where they see tens of thousands of people and he's impacting nations. And so keep it 100. I want you to get excited and welcome to the table, Teo Hayashi. what's up man hey what's up sean man such an honor to be on this podcast with you i feel so privileged to just get into some time to share my heart and uh thank you for your generous words it's definitely an honor to be working side by side with you and krista doing kingdom work i know judy and my wife loves krista and it's just been such synergy every time we get together in the same room you, Krista, Junior, and I, and uh, just to see kingdom power impacting a generation is phenomenal. Absolutely, man. We feel the same way. Hey, man, so tell me, T, what's happening, man, in the midst of this whole crazy pandemic worldwide pause? Talk to us. It's one of those things like, uh, you know, you know you're, uh, even when I used to live in America, you would travel out and you would speak or minister or serve or do whatever. You would always have to adapt to the uh, hurt or to the cry of the land. And mm. uh, we're living days where every nation is going through the same thing. So it's it's whether you're in America right now, uh, whether you're in Brazil, 
whether you're in uh, in Europe or even here in Ecuador, it feels like everybody's going through the same thing. It's kind of like we're all in the same boat. Um, I would say, you know, Brazil, unfortunately, is in uh, right behind America in terms of the casualties to this uh, COVID. But in the midst of everything, I feel like uh, there's well, the thing is. There's so many different nuances there involved. You know, there's a there's an actual health crisis happening. Right. There's also a political crisis happening. There's a leadership crisis happening. Uh, and there's also uh, whether some like to admit it or not, there's to a certain extent a persecution uh, happening towards Christians. Uh, so and true. that's not only in America. That's not only in Brazil. This is worldwide. And uh, but in the same time, what I've seen and even as I talk to uh, American friends of mine that are in ministry like yourself and even others, I've seen the kingdom power just explode. We've uh, seen growth in our church, even though we're meeting online. And even when we do have physical services, they are reduced. But I've seen people just recommit themselves in a deeper level with Christ. I've seen uh, people just, even through crisis, uh, kind of feel like they have their back against the wall and just make a decision to live godly. So I would say that the Lord has been turning around something that was meant for evil into something that is good. So I'm super encouraged, although my heart goes out for so many people that are hurting. Man, that is so good. I love what you said, T, about the the necessity to adapt to the cry of the land. And yeah. you've, got a, you've got a sense that, like you said, there's a universal cry right now. It's not exactly. just... A one people group, one nation. And I love that because although we know, hey, God didn't send this little virus, this <laughs> demonic, yeah. we know just like the situation with Joseph, that Joseph said, hey, man, what you guys meant for harm, God used for good. Well, T, let's Come jump on. in this in terms of question, man. We're talking about yeah. on this podcast, finding your true north, your due north. Yep. Talk to us. When, when did you get serious, go all out? When did the Lord apprehend your heart to mm. really step into a complete biblical worldview and to recognize that, man, your life is Christ, your life is not your own? When did that happen for you? Yeah, man, I, I, I think I've had a few, few of those moments. Uh, I'll, I'll kind of run through maybe the main ones. Cool. But, uh, you know, I, I grew up in the church. I am uh, half Asian and half, I would say, Portuguese Italian on the other side. So my family wasn't, you know, they, they migrated to Brazil. And so they migrated because my grandfather came out to plant churches in Brazil. And uh, so I, needless to say, I, I kind of grew up in church. I saw the I saw everything, the good, the bad, the ugly of the church, you know, so I saw the whole thing. And, and I'll be quite honest, you know, I, I actually, our family went through some thir some hurts through the church. And, and I, I took it upon myself to never, ever go into ministry. I, you know, <laughs> I, as growing up as a, I would say as a teenager, my main thing in Brazil, like most kids in Brazil was, was soccer. So, you know, playing soccer my whole life, you know, that kind of opened up a lot of doors. It was kind of like my, my getaway from just church drama and just questions and and whatnot and so well that that need, that opened up a door for me to go to college in America and, and play ball and go to school and while I was in America you know a small private Christian school still I remember my mom telling me before I left she said you know once you get out there make sure you find a on fire Bible preaching Holy Spirit filled church well I did it and <laughs> I kind of looked around and I didn't see many people like that. And so I just kind of didn't, didn't take it upon myself to keep looking. And what happened was I, I just started growing cold. It, it, and I tell people, you don't backslide from, you know, one day to another. 
That's good. It, it's, it's a process. And I started yeah. going through that process. But I mean, my heart wasn't just, you know, you need community. And, yeah. and see, this is the thing about that. I talk to a lot of kids that I'm, I'm leading today is like, you know, I, I know you're in love with Jesus. I know you're hurt at the church. But let me tell you something, man. It's uh, Christianity is not made for you to live by it yourself. It'll actually, you'll, you'll actually backslide if you try to live out Christianity on your own. Because mm. it was engineered where you need people coming around you. You That's need right. somebody to answer to. You need somebody to lead. You need people to, peers around you, brothers and sisters to, to, to sharpen you like iron sharpens iron. So, you know, it, it's discipleship at the end of the day. You know, it's like you mentioned, that's my heart. My heart burns for discipleship because I know what it cost me to step away from a discipleship route. And what it cost me was I, I my heart grew cold. And, you know, sooner than later, I just got caught up in, in, a, in a lifestyle that I knew wasn't uh, honoring to the Lord. So I was, you know, it, it was all about my pleasure. So I want to party because I want to feel good. I want to feel accepted. I want to I want to be looked upon by my peers in a certain way. I want to live my way. And, and so so whatever that costs, if I need to kind of put push aside uh, certain values that I know and, and certain convictions that I hold for these four years in college, I'll, I'll do that. And that's what I was doing. And I remember during spring break, my sophomore year, I was just going crazy uh, with some buddies and, and we were out in Florida. I was going crazy in a, in a club in, in Ybor City, Tampa, Tampa region, Ybor City. And I remember nobody preached to me. Uh, nobody laid hands on me. Nobody wow. uh, prayed for me. I was by, you know, I was with people around me and it was probably maybe five, six days into spring break. So, I mean, I didn't remember much and I was out on the dance floor and Holy Spirit took over me like supernaturally wow. conviction. I was weeping on the dance floor, man. I, I had to run out to the restroom, throw water on my face and uh, drunk people coming in and out of the restroom. I mean, it's spring break. It's going nuts, right? And I'm looking and and I'm thinking to myself, God, I, w what has become of my life? And I felt the Holy Spirit just bringing conviction, saying to me, you know, I've made you for more than this. You know, and, and so I said, Lord, what do I do? And the Lord says, I, I need you to trust me. And, and I walked out of the, the restroom into the dance floor to meet my buddies. And I told them, give me the apartment keys. I'm out. And they're like, bro, there's... The after party. And I said, I'm not going to the after party. They said, well, there's the after after party. I'm like, bro, you do whatever you want. I'm, I'm out of here. I'll get a cab. I'm out. And as soon as I stepped out of that club, wow. within my chest, kid you not, I heard this voice, YWAM. I had no clue what YWAM was. I mean, I had wow. no clue. I ran into my friend's apartment. First thing I did is I turned on his computer and I Googled YWAM. I, 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 it was kind of like in my mind's eye, I saw YWAM. I, I Googled it. My goodness. Start reading on it. Now, mind you, four hours before, I was totally in another, in another place in that club. Four hours later, I'm applying for a discipleship training school. And the only base that I kind of that showed up there on my screen was Kona. So I'm like, Hawaii. I mean, I'm, I'm sure God's in Hawaii. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I, I could totally do Hawaii. And so I signed up for that thing. And four months later, I was beginning my journey doing a DTS in Hawaii with YWAM that led me to serve youth with a mission for the next three years. Wow. And which led me to really know that everything that I've been taught as a kid in church is true. But now I have ownership of it, you know, and yeah. I, I understand there's 
we, we all have a journey. That was my journey. And, and my journey was I had had a, experiences with the Holy Spirit before, but now it was different. It, it, it was like a deeper level of ownership. And so with that, I'm like, Lord, I, I, wanna, I just want to fulfill the Great Commission. That's what I want to do for the rest of my life. I, I, I could just travel the 1040 window. I could just be here. I, was, I remember I was in, a, in India at the time, in, the, in New Delhi, in the Muslim quarter. And I was like, Lord, I, I could just totally do this for the rest of my life. Wow. And I remember after a, a few months there, you know, just witnessing through soccer in this university called Jamia Mila University in New Delhi, the largest Islamic university in the world. I would go in there, play soccer, make friendships and witness the people. I remember a few months in, I said, I started craving for the supernatural, you know, and, mm. and I was with a crew that were, I mean, they loved Jesus. They, they were all about the, the kingdom. But I mean, I, I just felt like I, I need to go for, you know, just for the, that fire, that, that Holy Spirit, miraculous acts to, you know, early church stuff that I was reading. The Lord just kind of dropped in my spirit this craving for that kind of stuff. And wow. one, of the, one of my buddies gave me this book, uh, Evangelism by Fire by Reinhard Bonnke. And bro, that thing lit me up and I'm like, I'm hungry, right? And right after that, somebody gives me this book, God Chasers by Tommy Tenney. So, I mean, it's, it's, it was one of those combinations that I'm like, if I don't get the supernatural thing, you know, I just rather die. I mean, just take me. Either I live this thing that I'm reading next. And I'm coming to these conclusions, right? I'm, my conclusion is, if in my freshman year of college, somebody was living out acts on campus, I probably would have never been caught up in the party scene. Because wow. at the end of the day, what I was looking for wasn't sin. I was looking for an adventure. Come on, man. You know, and that's what I feel a lot of young people that aren't with the Lord right now, people may look at them. You know, a lot of religious people may look and just point fingers and be like, yeah, these guys are carnal. I'll tell you what, man, I, it, it wasn't that I wanted to be carnal. I just wanted excitement. I mm. wanted adrenaline. I wanted an adventure. I love Actually, that. Later on, I wanted a cause. And I found that cause as the kingdom cause. But if I had examples there, it would have been easier. And so, and so I took it upon myself. I remember I said, if I could live out acts in every university campus on this earth, I believe we would we could get leaders, you know, filled with the Holy Spirit as they are getting the, their academic formation. Right. And that cry was actually would put me on a journey to begin dunamis in the first place, which is the movement that I lead today inside the universities. And so after that, I just, the Lord just kind of supernaturally, you know, started speaking to me. I, I want you to, to continue to live out acts on your, as your day to day, but also go for reformation because I was going, I was living in India at the time, seeing so much social injustice. And I, I come from a country which there is so much social injustice as well. And um, I'm trying to balance and the Lord started talking to me. You know, I, I just felt the Holy Spirit say, I, I want you to be engaged in reformation, but I just don't want you to do it from a, a mind perspective, a philosophy perspective. It has to be allied with the it's got to be revival heart and reformational heart. It, it, there has that. to be a cry for social justice, but your heart has to be on fire for Jesus. It, it just can't be one or the other. So anyways, that, that, that was kind of the whole thing of how I got literally by the grip of the Holy Spirit yanked out of a club into his will, which is what I'm still doing right now by the grace of God. I love that, T. You know, one of the things that I think is so important is that I think your journey there that, hey, you, you grew up in a, in a church and kind of in the midst of that, you, you know, you had that, but it had to become your own. You were addressing. But 
you really, by going to YWAM, getting that discipleship, you really address the thing that I think in this generation, it's not enough to find your moral compass. You must be a moral compass. And that's exactly. what I love about you stepping out and discipling and wanting to bring the gospel to universities. Uh, that really segues into our next question, T. Uh, what are some of the unique struggles of this generation to find their due north, true north? We, we both know that uh, values are being shaped, not just back in the day, it'd be your mom and your dad, maybe a close circle of friends, but social media changed the game. Man, the voices yeah, are coming yeah. at you, million voices a moment. So what are some of the unique challenges of this generation? You know what, Sean, you said something really, really uh, interesting here. You said something about not only fight for morals, but incarnate those morals. Yes. And, you know, one of the guys that I've been reading lately is this, uh, this man by the name of Daryl Miller, and he talks about discipling nations. And, and, and basically, uh, one of the things I felt the Holy Spirit even speaking to me, even as I was reading stuff on discipling nations, is that, you know, it, it's not enough for you to actually uh, try to implement something that is morally just on society if that hasn't become your reality. Mm. You know, the, the way of the kingdom is that something happens spiritually. And that's, that's you know, regeneration of our spirit. So we're born again. That's yeah. a spiritual reality. But then as we renew our minds, we are coming into our own morality, renewal, recycling, right? And so right. our values are being shifted. Our, our, uh, as we get in the word, we, we, what, what used to be, you know, no big deal. Now it is a big deal. Uh, what used to be, you know, what that didn't bother me. Now this bothers me. What used to be normal is abnormal and so forth. As you live out Romans 12 verse two, you know, it's, it's, it's the metanoia. It's the, it's the repentance, the, the transformation, the renewing of your mind. Come on, man. And, and after you have gone through that process or as you're going, now you can take upon yourself to transform your environment. Uh, you have no authority to try to transform your environment if you haven't taken upon yourself this process of renewal. So I was a high schooler in the 90s. What we had in terms of internet was basically just hotmail. And uh, <laughs> that was it, right? That's I right. But I remember, man, just hearing people around me that care for me. Hey, watch out for the company you hang out with, right? That, yeah, that was yeah. the thing. You know, I, I was going out in school early 2000s. I was in college. I mean, they didn't have social media back then. But today, it's kind of like even though you might be in church, you got young people on Instagram, TikTok, or whatnot. And they're being influenced by all all sorts of voices. So it's not about physically hanging out with the right crowd. That's good. It's man. opening up your spirit to the right voice, opening up your eyes, your you know the window of your soul to the right message. It's one of those things that I feel like more than ever the urgency of parents, of you know teachers, of us as pastors. If we don't teach Bible, and you know That's I good. am. Full on Holy Spirit, just like you, Sean. And we've been into, we've been in some of those crazy fire Pentecostal meetings together. That's right. Uh, but I mean, I know we both can agree on the importance of Bible teaching churches and Bible teaching communities, because yeah. when it comes down to the way that the young people think and, and how we think as a society, you know, it's it's it comes down to worldview, or yeah. you know, it, it's not enough for you to. Be on a revival meeting once a week, but you're going to university and your professors are preaching secularism and right. you're getting maybe 20, 30, 40 hours of that nonstop inside your head. Right. Right. But you've never been trained to discern. 
And yes. so I feel like I'll tell you, man. I, I I always felt like oh the oh you know growing up around just people that are doing missions and stuff like that, and just doing missions myself. Certain people were like, oh, the biblical worldview teachers. I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. That's cool. You know, those guys are amazing. But my thing is to heal the sick. My thing is to prophesy. I want I want to just I just want to get people slain in the spirit. And I'll tell you, man, after a while, after you're investing in people for so long, and then after they go back to university, and then suddenly they switch on you and they flip on you. And I'm like, what the heck happened to you, bro? I'm right. Like, weren't you in those all-night prayer meetings with me? Weren't you there when that, that leg grew out, when that tumor disappeared? What's wrong with you, man? Why Why are you actually, you know, denying things that we live together? I, I, I'm a firm believer. There's things that the power of the Holy Spirit will, will take care of. And there's other things that the wisdom of the Holy Spirit will take care of. And That's we need true. both, yes, you sir. know? And so us as a more charismatic-leaning uh, tribe— I would say that I'm coming to a point where I'm like, I'm not going to compromise on the fire. I'm still going all Holy Spirit out on them. But I'm thinking I'm adding to my training a lot of biblical worldview. I'm adding to my training. Hey, what it, what does it mean a biblical theism versus a secularism? I said, at the end of the day, man, it comes down. If we don't change worldview, you can't disciple a generation of disciples, so a, a nation. We need the encounter of the Holy Spirit. But we also need the power of the wisdom of God. So uh, that that's kind of where I'm, I'm I'm at right now. Man, that is so good because you know I think one of the things that I, I hear you bring out, T, and I think it's so apropos, is that you know before the company you kept were just the five people around you, and they would yep. influence you. Peer pressure yep. was person on person. You know, you're in the hallway exactly. in high school, your buddies in high school. school. Yeah, right. exactly. But now that social conformity can hit you. First of all, 24-7, there's no hiding from it. And man, it's kind of like this massive peer pressure and social conformity can hit you through social media. And people, they don't have their due north. And so they're they're lost. Man. Come on. And so yeah, I yeah, love, yeah, yeah. love what you're saying. What are some of the ways, D, to fine tune ourselves with the Holy Spirit or align ourselves with the purposes and presence of God? Because obviously when you when your moral compass is off, you can't find your due north. And so like even people that operate and use compasses, there's a way to recalibrate their compass so they can tap into the magnetic due north. So spirit, mm -hmm. using that as a metaphor, what are some of the ways that we can fine tune it? Yeah, man, this is a good, good question, man. I feel there's a rhythm. We need to be sensitive to that rhythm of the Holy Spirit. There are things that you just got to do whether you feel like it or not. And I'm kind of like that kind of guy. I know you are, for instance, the king of discipline, Sean Smith, bro. Come on, bro. You're you're like so disciplined. You're, you're still like a pro athlete. I'm like, I was I was bragging on you the other day on uh, to a pastor. I'm like, my boy Sean Smith, man. He'll he'll beat everybody's butt. Still faster than all the young cats. Anyways, I feel like you are so disciplined in your rhythms, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the things I'm coming in 2021 is understanding that if it, if it weren't for certain rhythms. I would have not made it through 2020. Ooh, that's that. plain truth. You know, it's there are certain things that you just need to respect. You know, you, you need to sleep well. You need to eat well. You need to exercise well to physically be fit. Now, what does it take me to be emotionally fit and spiritually fit? I feel like we're on this journey as a church. I lead a church, Zion Church, which is uh, our main, main headquarters in Sao Paulo. But we're in, in Europe here in South America and different sections of Brazil. 
And uh, I got everybody engaged on the same Bible reading plan. Wow. Everybody. I don't care if you're, a, you know, if, if you're one of the pastors on staff, if you're a small group leader, if you're a volunteer, if you just recently gone saved, I don't care. We're all going to read this thing together. So we got the whole church reading the Bible. And as a pastor, that's my responsibility to get people in the work, right? Um, I feel like if we respect these rhythms, another rhythm that I have is to fast periodically, you know, mm. to fast periodically. It, it could so be... Good. For for maybe I don't know, and and I say this not to brag, but I mean a lot of times I've said things I haven't said things, and then I've questioned myself: Why isn't it the next generation or the people that I'm discipling? They're not doing what I'm feel is is so obvious. And the Lord says, because you've been so modest that it has been detrimental to building kingdom culture around you. So good, bro. So, so good. So I I remember when I was out in North Carolina on staff at church and uh, under my uh, senior leader at the time. And uh, he's a big championing of, of fasting. He would tell me, don't even b- bring stuff for me to counsel you on if you haven't fasted on it. <laughs> and so I'll be like, you know, I, I, need, I need some time with you. He's like, have you fasted? I'm like, nope. He says, oh, go fast. And if you haven't ha- heard the Lord, then look for me. And so I remember every Wednesday for maybe a period of six years, every Wednesday was a fast. Wow. And, and I feel these are important for us. It keeps your heart tender. Another Another thing I have a, one of my aunts, she's a big leader in Brazil in terms of spiritual warfare. And I would just stop by her office and she would ask me every time I see her, when was the last time you just wept in the presence? Ooh, when was man. the last time? And I said, well, you know, and I would have different dates for her. And then she says, don't, don't ever go more than a couple of weeks without really weeping in the presence. So, wow. so these are things that I have in my mind. Love that. Uh, I, I remember my mom telling me this, uh, uh, she would always encourage me, even today, she would say, you know, you, you want to make sure you pray in tongues, you're praying in the spirit every day, every day you pray in the spirit. And she says, and you make sure you don't go more than a couple of three days where when you're praying in the spirit, it just takes over you and you can't control. Wow. You know, and so see, so these are some of the, like the organic methods that I've put as in terms of metrics that are rhythms for me. Love that. Um, if I can keep this rhythm that is that is healthy. I, I feel like in the long run, I want to finish well. And so that's where I'm at. You know, that, that's kind of like these are the metrics that, that I sense that are that are in my heart that I try to, you know, always gauge myself and kind of my do north, so to say, yep. picking up off from your language there. I think that's so profound because I think this last season showed us that if you didn't have those rhythms in place, this is what you were saying, that first you keep your disciplines, but after a while, your disciplines begin to keep you. And there were so exactly. many people well, that, that's man, good. That's good. it was like the parable of the soils, man, like the elements of, of what happened in the nation around us in terms of the uncertainty, in terms of the disappointment, the paranoia, all of that stuff, it exposed when people didn't have deep roots. And mm. you have to have deep roots or else you become a tumbleweed. You know, you can't change the world listening to the wrong voices and doing the wrong things. Exactly. This generation, exactly. everyone's talking about, man, I want to be an influencer. I want to be an influencer. Yep, yep. You know, and that's like a big thing. Like a generation ago, everyone wanted to be in a band, right? They want to be a musician. <laughs> now, you, you it's, want to be it's the, true. It's true. You want to be the social influencer and all these followings. Hey, T, tell us, what is it that you're seeing God do amongst Brazil uh, millennials? So I am so many times feeling like what Esther chapter four, Mordecai's words to Esther 
maybe, just maybe, you were born for such a time as this. And the idea that I get is that I'm living the such a time as this. Because I don't know about you, Sean. I mean, have, have you ever been in one of those meetings that you know the spirit is moving and you might be the point person in the meeting or the, the guy with the mic in the hands and, and you know it has nothing to do with you. The spirit is moving sovereignly and, and it has nothing to do with your gifting. That's the feeling that I have. I have a feeling that I'm living days where things are happening and I just can't trace it back to me. I'm just the lucky guy that's in the right place at the right time. And so we, what we've seen in Brazil really is this move of the spirit that is, you know, sovereign where people are hungry. Now, some people may call that what well, we're living in Brazil revival. Some other people will just say, you know, it's not revival yet. Whatever the case, I can say it's an awakening. Like kids are awakened. People are hungry, man. I've, I, I, the church of Jesus in Brazil, they're awakened. They're hungry. They're very far from being perfect or mature. But the bride of Christ in Brazil is hungry. And we've seen the move of the Spirit in such a sovereign way that there is really not much of an explanation other than understand that generations past have sown prayers, intercession into the land, and uh, we're reaping something that we maybe weren't the ones that sowed. And so I am very aware of that. Just as an example, uh, early 2020, February 2020, we gathered in three soccer stadiums simultaneously, 150,000 youth for the Send Brazil. And so, you know, the global movement, the Send, which I have the honor to be sitting now as part of the leadership team, we felt the Lord say, now it's Brazil's time. And, and so we, we went to Brazil and uh, three packed out stadiums, 150,000 youth, average age, 24 years old, crying out saying, I am ready to be sent. I'm ready to go wherever the Lord leads me, whether it be into my high school, my university campus, my community, into the nations, I am willing to go. And so uh, we saw, you know, literally tens of thousands of kids commit to the mission field. Uh, so, I mean, if, if that's not a revival or an awakening, I don't know what it is. There's a lot to be done for sure. Uh, the church has a lot to mature and, and uh, we know that for, for certain, but there is definitely a move of God. And so we're, we're just happy to see that. And as church history shows, you know, a true move of God will culminate into social transformation. And that's what we're believing the Lord for, social transformation of nations, discipling, not only of people, but discipling of nations. So thank you for allowing me to share my heart, Sean. I, I know you've been out there with us in Brazil before. Lord has used, used you and Krista mightily in those meetings. I know that you've prophesied a lot of what's happening in Brazil. I was just sharing with you how Krista prophetic words about the stadiums Two years prior to the Send Brazil, and she was prophesying what happened in those stadiums. So it's so encouraging to, to do life and do kingdom work with you guys. Thank you so much.
I love Teo. Oh my word. That man has so much profound wisdom and revelation. Super honored that he's a part of our podcast because his voice is so influential because he's so rooted and grounded in God and the wisdom he shared on just what it is to stay in the due north of Jesus. His life is such an example of that. And what he is doing in a nation, he is changing a nation. It's so awesome. As always, for the Keep It 100 tribe, we want you to have some takeaways today. Today, we're calling the five true north principles from Jesus. First one is Jesus teaches us that we are needed as agents of transformation in the earth today. You and I have to have a mentality and a lifestyle that chooses Jesus over everything. And I believe in a world that is so quick to succumb to the peer pressure that bombards them in the daily basis. When you and I have made the decision first and foremost, that Jesus is above everything and he's the one in which we live for, that is the safest place that we can be. I love that. I so agree with that. You have the designation of being an agent of transformation in the earth. Jesus went, sent the Holy Spirit and left that ministry mm-hmm. to his church. And you're a part of that. That's right. You're special. Number two, the second true north principle is Jesus taught his disciples to not find the will of God through consensus. I think today we find that it seems like it's more politically correct to pull a little bit from here, a little bit from there, to offer this person's opinion, offer that person's opinion, and we arrive at a conclusion based on consensus. Well, that may work in a democracy, and that's questionable if that's really working in a democracy. We're seeing that right now. But God doesn't run his kingdom based on everyone offering their opinion Because when you're in a crisis, uh, an opinion of due north is not the same as a true north. And so he taught his disciples that we're to find the will of God through calibrating our inner compass called our conscience through the word of God. And I think what's happened is we've allowed another gospel to displace the real. Paul talked about that to the church of Galatia, that they, he says, who has bewitched you that you've allowed another gospel? And he's speaking of a gospel of legalism. But I think today we have a gospel of what's politically correct. We have a gospel of entertainment. We have a gospel of hip hop. We have a gospel of people that are trying to be swaggy and people that are trying to be the hipster. We have a gospel here and a gospel there. And none of those are the true gospel. Those are small G gospels. We need to get back to the capital G gospel that comes from Jesus himself. Number three, the third true north principle from Jesus is Jesus knew that consensus often means a deterioration in God's holy standard of righteousness and truth. Pharisees, and Jesus rebuked them, he says, you've brought this in, you've brought that in, you brought this in, and what you've done with mixing with the law is you've hindered people. And so what he's saying is whenever we come through consensus where we allow different people to add their thoughts, it actually, anything you add to the gospel actually subtracts from the gospel. And so what we need to do is establish that God's word is perfect as it is. It doesn't need to be bent or altered. So good. Hey, the fourth true north principle from Jesus is Jesus understood that his ministry was to God more than man. So what do I mean by that? It means you and I must maintain an eternal point of view as our basis of cultural change around us. I'm reminded of the Garden Gethsemane when Jesus was led there before the crucifixion. And there he had a moment where he said, Father, can this cup of suffering pass from me. And he knew it was the father's will for him to be crucified so that he could become the eternal atonement, the eternal sacrifice. So you and I could walk in the blood covenant that's available to you and I today. That could not have happened unless the crucifixion took place. But Jesus had to surrender his will to the father's will. And there's this beautiful moment of surrendering. And I believe 
that is what God is calling us to walk in. See, Jesus in his earthly ministry modeled everything you and I are called to walk in. And when we have an eternal point of view, which means we are recognizing everything is about honoring the Lord, that our lives are living sacrifice to bring the Father glory. And because of what Jesus did on the cross, we have a privilege to bring the rewards of the suffering to the Lamb. And what I love is uh, this is such a picture of surrender. And I believe more than ever, and this will be an episode at some point in 2021, when we're talking about this call of surrender to the Father at this hour, at this time, because we have to understand our lives are a ministry to God. Last but not least, the fifth true North principle from Jesus is Jesus knew that the ministry of the kingdom is often divisive. Remember when Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace. I actually came to bring a sword. I'm talking about a sword in the spirit. I'm not talking about a sword in the natural. A sword in the spirit cuts through the bondage of the enemy. It cuts through the lies of what Satan tries to tempt or tell us. And what I love is when you understand that you and I are called to be salt and light, we're called to live a life of contrast, fully surrendered to him. And one thing that I've really discovered in my own life is that when I live from a place of conviction, I live from a place of really deciding what is wrong and right. That can only happen when I have have a pre-decision of my morals and convictions in my quiet relationship with God. In that quiet time with God, I'm able to walk into situations knowing who God's created me to be so that I don't get seduced when I go into certain situations. I already know who I am before I walk into any situation. Thanks so much for tuning into the Keep It 100 podcast. Make sure to rate, review, and refer us to your friends. And be sure to click that subscribe button so that you're alerted as soon as new episodes drop. Help us get the word out. Share this link on your social media platforms and check us out at seanandkristasmith.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Sean and Krista Smith Ministries. We would love to hear from you on how this podcast has impacted you. So be sure to show us some love. Hey, Keep It 100 Tribe, you do not want to miss next episode. You're going to want to join us as we talk about prof- prophetic protocol. We've heard of some who are struggling with some prophecies and some recent prophetic voices as well, that we also want to share some guidelines to help you be a mouthpiece navigating these confusing times. And remember, relief may change your circumstance, but a revelation will change you. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Keep It 100 podcast with Sean and Krista Smith. Keep up with us on Facebook and Instagram at seanandkristasmith.com where you can discover more resources. If this podcast has impacted you, please subscribe and review wherever you listen to your podcast. Keep it